With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to This League Uncut. In the world of 24-hour NBA news, this news you lose. Chris Haynes, it's go time. Mark Stein, it's showtime. Boom shakalaka. This League Uncut is underway and on fire. This should be a good one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is going to be a good one. Look, I feel like Mark Stein because Mark Stein usually gets to come off and spat out the intro. But this is me this time. Chris Haynes right here of This League Uncut with my guy Mark Stein. I'm doing the intro and I'm doing it live from my store, me and my wife's store here in Elk Grove, California, Sacramento area at Charlene's Beauty Supply. Got Sacramento Kings guard Davion Mitchell. So he's going to be a, this is going to be a treat. Hope you guys enjoy. We got Mark Stein still in Dallas. He couldn't make it, but look, he pulled through. He still came on to do the show. And I appreciate my brother Mark Stein for that. But without further ado, let's go. This league uncut with Davion Mitchell. Come on, D. Let Davion get settled in here. So we got Mark Stein who couldn't be here, but that's my co-host. Uh, so he'll he'll be jumping in from here and there. And then we'll open up uh, for the crowd to come, you know, to ask a few questions as well. So go ahead and pick that up, Dave. Go ahead and pick that up. So, D, you could talk in that mic, D. So, yeah, you can move there. Yeah. So, D, this is let's, – let's just talk about, first of all, the way the, the season ended. It was a tough, you know, a tough series with the Golden State Warriors. When you think about that series now, now that you're a couple months removed, what comes to mind about, I guess, what could have been or any second thoughts on how things were handled or whatever? I, mean, I think overall, um, we end up playing a good series. Uh, we end up playing a, a really good um, talent team, of course. They got a lot of experience, a lot of Hall of Famers on their team. Um, just a, a lot of good pieces, man, where they, they kind of been together for a long time. So we knew it was going to be tough. And, I mean, I think we made it the toughest form, taking him to game seven. Um, I mean, Steph had an unbelievable game with 50 points. I mean, a lot of people, that's what great to do. Um, so we kind of expect that. Um, but they just got the best of us. I mean, I think we learned a lot from it, though. Um, like, coming into the next season, we know what to look for. Um, we know that the game plan we should have coming into the next playoffs, we, we end up going again. So, I mean, I think we learned from it. But it was a good series all in all. So you brought up Steph. We're going to get to him later on. But, you know, for, for you – in particular, you leave that season. That was your second year. So you leave that season thinking, what do you have to improve upon? How can you get better? What is what is the aspect of your game that you learned about, okay, I need to step it up in this area? I think uh, every every year it's uh, something that's always been talked about is just developing my jump shot. Um, that's kind of just been the, 
the biggest piece every year. And I mean, I think it's making progress. Um, even when I was in college, I kind of had the same problem my first two years. Um, then I kept getting better and better each year. And then the more comfortable I get, the more confidence I have, um, the more the shots go in, the better percentages in, the more I play because I, I can be on the floor and I can shoot the ball and be good defensively. So that's just a, a aspect that I've been working on even this whole summer. It's kind of like been my main focus is working on a jump shot. So they have no reason not to, they'll have no reason for me not to be on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Because defensively, you know, I'm going to do what I have to do. And I think offensively, then, then I can just kind of be on the floor the whole time. Okay, let me give a shout out to Lance Woods. Just just popped up in here, man. Sacramento's top comedian. Legend, hey, hey y'all better get to know him, man. He's, he's going places, man. I think he'll just sneak up in here. I want to give a shout out to my wife, Charlotte Haynes. It's her store, Charlene's Beauty Supply. Uh, hey, you're doing a good job, and, you know, we're trying, you know, I'm trying to help and support you the best I can. Uh, so with that said, D, a lot of people don't know that that NBA ball, the NBA basketball is different from college basketball and high school basketball. It takes a lot of people a while to get used to just the feel of it. Can you explain that transition from college to the NBA basketball? Yeah, it's funny because uh, I was a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago, I was at Baylor practicing with their team, um, playing against their guys and and playing five on five. And they don't play with the NBA ball. They play with the, the yeah, Nike ball. Yeah. And it was just a completely different feeling. Like the ball is just a lot thicker. You got more grip on it. Um, it's just, it was hard for me to play with, honestly. I was I was missing a lot of shots. I couldn't really dribble it. And I'm like, man, I cannot play with this ball no more. But it's a it's a huge transition, uh, especially because that ball, like when I was growing up, I always played with uh, Wilson, um, Evolution, kind of yep. like high school balls uh, growing up. And then when the NBA came, it was, it was different to me. I was like, man, I can't really grip the ball. Mm -hmm. Then I got used to it when I started working out more. And then you realize when the ball get wet, you can you got more grip. Um, and the more you play with it, the better the better it is. Because no one no one likes to play with a new NBA ball. So, but it's it's just a uh, it's a different feeling, a uh, huge feeling. Davion, obviously, you just said this is your second year. So you know, half of your life as a king, you've you've tasted the playoffs. But when this season started, being just a player on the team, how much did you feel? the playoff drought and just how long the community there, which has always been one of the wildest fan bases in the league, just how impatient they were. I mean, I still remember the pictures from summer league when you know they were running, running around outside saying, we're going to, we're going to go 500. And they were, you know, they were so pumped about some summer league success as a player on the team. What did that feel like when the season started? Yeah, I think that, uh, I think the the biggest thing uh, Mike Brown did when coming in, um, being a new coach, he kind of addressed it like the elephant in the room that you know we we got to make the playoffs. But I think what he did a really good job is, is trying to look look over that, um, trying to make the championship. Um, he always kind of talked about that. He didn't really just talk about the playoffs because it's easy to make mistakes and just and just lose a couple games or lose a couple of games in a row and you don't make the playoffs by a couple games. So. We knew that if we're trying to get to the championship, the playoffs was kind of got to, got to, kind of going to be in that way. So he kind of just looked at it like that, and I feel like the team kind of just rolled with it. Uh, we was we thought we was good enough to to make it to the championship, and and the playoffs was going to come come and go. And I think the fans is it's different from the from the, when the fans looking in because they're not really it's kind of hard to say they they don't they're not really there every day with you uh, as far as the team. So we didn't really try to look at the fans like, man, we're just going to make the playoffs for our fans. We're going to make it for the organization, for the community, for, for ourselves, because we felt like we were good enough. You think, D, Mike Brown, you mentioned Mike Brown, first year as head coach, kind of turned some things around. When did you notice, at what point during the season did you notice that this team was for real? Like you knew, like, okay, this is going to be different from what Kings fans have been used to as of late. I think when I first noticed that the day he started to yell, uh, not really yell, but he kind of got on more of Fox and Sabonis, our best players. Mm. He held them more accountable than just like I feel like a lot of coaches look at they're the star players. They can they can kind of do whatever and, and they get away with it. But another player, someone like me, that's not really the star player on the team. But if he does something, we I'm going to yell at him, but I'm not going to yell at Fox. Nah, that's not how Mike Brown was. He was kind of like he was even harder on them just to make them better because they, they know they're, they're the leaders on our team, so we're going to follow them. So I think when he did that, I was like, oh, we're going to be a really good team. Mm. Mm. So was that different from what you've seen in the previous regime? Like they probably wasn't quick to yeah, get I mean, on the stars? I think I didn't really I didn't really notice it as much because, I mean, my first year 
Um, I was just kind of trying to just fit in for real. I was just trying to see what what the NBA was going to be like, uh, trying to play my best every game. And then the coaching changes and the trade. So it was all kind of new to me. I was kind of like everywhere. So when I kind of had Mike Brown, the, the official coach, I knew that we was going to be fine. So the, you're regarded as probably the best on-ball defender in the league. Did you know you had that skill set coming in to the league from day one? Like, what did you did you feel like it might have been easy, or like you know, because some rookies be like, "Oh, damn, I, you know, this is easier than I thought." Like, how was it for you once you started to, you know, crush down and, and guard people defensively? I think I always been like a uh, a defensive type of guy. Like, I I love that end of the floor. I'm I'm a competitive guy, so. I don't want no one to score on me. I don't want it to be easy. Like, I always wanted to make it hard for the best players. I mean, no matter who's dribbling the ball, no matter who has the ball in their hands, I always kind of been had that competitive nature. So I wouldn't say it came – it didn't come easy, of course, because, I mean, regarding the best players in the world. But I would say it was easier for me because, I mean, I kind of love that end of the floor. Um, I enjoy it. A lot of people don't really enjoy it. A lot of people just do it because they have to do it or just stay on the floor. But I kind of – I enjoy that end of the floor. So I, I take pride in it and I study the – the defensive things from greats like Marcus Smart, the Drew Holiday. So I'm kind of looking at the people that, that made a name for themselves defensively in the league and I can take from them and, and it just helped my game out. Like. Before you got drafted, how much did you know about Sacramento and how much had you had you actually ever been there beyond potential draft workouts? Like how much did you know about where you were headed? So I got a funny story. Uh, a lot of people don't even know this. I didn't, um, I didn't do – I don't even know if I can say this, but I just know I didn't say it. Say it. Go ahead, dude. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't even do a workout with Sacramento. I didn't talk to Sacramento. Like I didn't like during the draft process, you got the certain people who you think you're going to get drafted to. Um, My range was from 10 to 14. um, And it was it was teams like the Warriors, it was teams like Indiana, it was teams like Washington who I thought I was getting drafted to, the teams I worked out for in New Orleans, I worked out for them in OKC. But the the teams that I worked out for, I thought I was going to get drafted, I mean, because I had really good workouts and things like that. And and I never worked out with Sacramento. I never knew anybody in Sacramento. I didn't talk to them. Um, but you just I think my agency had a really good connection with the with Monty and kind of Monty know about me. And he kind of wanted to change the culture. And he felt like I could have done that as far as on the defensive end, because Sacramento has never been really good defensively. So he thought I could change the culture in that way. and. So I never really talked to him. So I didn't never think I was going to come to Sacramento. It was never a thought. I never been before. I only been in California one time before I got drafted and I was just to LA um, for vacation. So it was, uh, I never been to Sacramento. So when you're, when you're, when you're at that table in the green room, like how much your agent probably gets a call that says you're going to be a King before we actually hear Adam Silver say it. But how shocked were you when they said, Hey, you're, you're about ready to go to Sacramento. So another story. Uh, okay. This, this is good. <laughs> yeah, another story. This is good. Go ahead. So sitting there at the table, um, you kind of you kind of don't really know, but you kind of know because basically when you get drafted, all the cameras come to you, and you know, okay, my name is next because it's be a lot of cameras come to you or whatever. So after the eighth pick, uh, I forgot who had the eighth pick. The eighth pick was probably uh, who went before him. It might have been Franz Wagner. I, I think. See. Might have been Franz Wagner. He was maybe the eighth pick. The ninth pick came, and, I mean, I didn't think nothing of it. I'm thinking of uh, – yeah, let me see. I think the eighth pick was Franz Wagner, if yeah, I'm let's not – Let's see if you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, Franz Wagner. So, it was um, – so, the eighth pick came, and the Sacramento came. So, I didn't think nothing of it. I was, like, not even paying attention. I'm just looking, like, just talking to my family. And I, all of a sudden, I just see all these cameras just coming towards me with the ninth pick. The night fit coming, all the cameras coming towards me, facing towards me. I'm, me and my agent look because my agent didn't even know either because he didn't even get the call from Sacramento till like after I got drafted. So, um, my agent was like, he was surprised too because no one really it came it came out of shock. And then, then my name got I went on Twitter and then they said that yeah Sacramento Kings were going with Davion Mitchell and then that's when my name called. Okay, so <laughs> hold on, check it out because people don't know like how the TV how it works on TV at the draft. The camera will go up to the player, and that's obviously a sign. And he already knew. So is there some acting that goes on? Like you got to really act like you're shocked to hear your name? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I was, like, really shocked because I, I didn't think I was going to Sacramento. So I was, I was probably more shocked than anyone because uh, a lot of people kind of know. Um, they get a phone call, but I guess Sacramento wanted to surprise me too. 
and they didn't even call me till after they drafted me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was surprised. So. What what number did you really think you were gonna go? So the surprise of the draft was actually Josh Giddy because I had a really good workout with OKC, and no one knew Josh Giddy was gonna go to OKC, and I think he went maybe six, maybe six, yeah, six because yep. the Warriors had seven. So I was also had a really good workout with the Warriors, but I knew I wasn't going seven because Kaminga. And then if I didn't get picked by Sacramento, it was going to be by, I think, Indiana at 13. And and then Warriors at 14. So it was going to be Indiana for 13 and then the Warriors at 14. It was going to be one of those two. And if I didn't get picked by the Warriors, it was going to be the Wizards. I think they had 15. Let so, me see. Wizards have 15. You yeah. remember this? Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. You got a good memory. Yeah. So for, for those that don't know, like, it's very unusual to get drafted by a team that you didn't work out for. 100%. So that's very unusual. I, I don't think you ever, I don't think that story was ever told. It's probably, yeah, I shouldn't have told it, but hey, it's all right. Hey, well, hey look, the number, nine, the number ninth pick, yeah. it was a lottery pick. It all worked out. So you get to you get to Sacramento. Was this your first time ever being out here in Sac? For sure. So what, what was your, give me, give me your first thoughts, your initial thoughts of being here probably two weeks. Uh, I mean, the first two weeks, like, I think for me, I was just always trying to be at the gym. Um, and then I, I didn't stay that far away. I stayed in the Thomas, so I kind of stayed close to the gym and the airport. So it was kind of convenient for me. Um, when we left, I will always get to the airport probably the first because I was the closest. Uh, but it was cool. Like, I don't, I, I enjoy Sacramento. I enjoy the city. Uh, I mean, especially the people here are cool. Um, I think they got good food. Um, it's just I enjoy. It. I mean, I don't really do much anyways, but go to the gym or be at my house playing the game. So it was cool to me. So again, we're talking with Davion Mitchell, the Sacramento Kings, here live at Charlene's Beauty Supply. For those who are checking this out on the audio version, please, if you're in the Sacramento area, please come check out my wife's shop. She's doing unbelievable things out here. Want to again shout out Davion Mitchell for coming out here and doing this because we all know he can be in the gym right now. I remember. I did a, you probably don't remember this. I want to say, I probably didn't, but I, I did one, I wrote one of your first NBA stories really? when you got drafted. You probably don't remember this, but I did a story and Bobby Jackson was working with you. It was right when you got drafted. And I said, uh, your agent at the time told me like, man, you need to look at him. Like he's a gym rat. He's a gym rat. I'm like, all right, so let me, let me see if there's a story there. So I go and Bobby Jackson, who was a summer league coach at the time, and I'm like, Bobby, what is it about Davion? Like, I'm trying to write a story. I'm trying to get an interesting angle. What is it about? And shout out to Bobby. He just took an assistant job with the Philadelphia 76ers. And he said, dude, he won't leave the gym. Like, we got to force him to stay out the gym. He, come, he comes in there early morning, comes back in the afternoon, then comes back in the evening. And so I'm like, huh, okay, there, there, there you go. What was like, is that just natural, or do you feel like you really had to make a, a great first impression? No, nah, I think uh, in college I was like that. You know, in college is you can do that because you don't play that many games. Um, you only play like twenty something games, um, and then it's like a game like maybe one time a week. So it ain't really putting stress on your body. So I didn't realize that. I mean, coming to the league, I'm thinking I should be doing the same thing yeah. I, that got me here. <laughs> hold on, hold on. So when did you re- when did that change? When you realize you got two start down? When like the game twenty is like man, <laughs> I'm exhausted. So, but nah, Bobby. I mean, Bobby helped me out a lot. He kind of told me like, man, you play 82 games now. Like you gotta you gotta make sure you're taking care of your body more than just being in the gym because. I mean, you can do all the workouts you, you want, but if you if your body tired for the game, then it ain't gonna mean nothing. So, I kind of took his advice, and I kind of got a better schedule now. Like, uh, I don't really go too crazy. Like, I know that I got a, a season to play. I know I'm be playing heavy minutes some nights, so I know I gotta have my legs, but I also gotta be be ready. Okay. So, I okay. try to try to work between. Honestly, those. I was making sure. I, yeah, I know, you, I know you definitely can't be going doing three days now. No, nah, no, nah. playing an eight two game season. Nah. So, I brought up the, I brought this up. Usually, when a high-profile NBA player changes agency, something is up. Something's mm-hmm. going on. You changed representation recently. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I mean, it was a lot of reasons. Uh, I think the main reason was, I mean, I think that the agency I was with was kind of East Coast, so I didn't really get to see them as much. Okay. Uh, they was only in New York, and um, they only could see me in Florida. So I didn't really get to see them as much. I didn't really get to connect, and I like to, to talk to people, and I like to see what their mindset is because at the time it was like the playoffs was coming. So sometimes my minutes would be here. It would kind of be just everywhere. And I wanted to know that the reason 
but they wasn't there because they was East Coast sometimes. And they got their players and they got their family, so I respect that. But it was just like I needed someone that would be closer to the West Coast side so I can see them. You know, he can come talk to me, and it's like a, a short flight, like an hour flight from L.A., not like a four-hour flight from New York or yes. things like that. So that was like the biggest reason. Okay. So it's safe to say you're not gearing up to ask for a trade? Nah, okay. I hope not. I hope not. Sure. It ain't on me, though. All right. <laughs> <laughs> make sure. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, D, like when um, you had the first year, you had your signs, and the second year, you kind of had to find your way a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, And towards the playoffs, you became a a bigger part of the rotate. I remember when I was doing sidelines for TNT uh, for you guys' playoff games, and I talked to Coach Brown before the game, and he said, man, I actually have to start, like, drawing up a few plays for, for Davion because he's playing good defensively. I want to keep him engaged. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this second year. Would you – Would mm-hmm. you cons- some people would say a sophomore slump or something like that. How would you consider just the, the second year and how how you're able to evolve or progress? I just think our, 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 our whole team just got better. Um, we got – different pieces um I think the first year we our our roster was kind of like unbalanced a little bit we had a lot of guards and then bigs and not that many wings so I think this year we had a a balanced roster with adding Kevin Adam Malik um then Trey playing like it just made it it made it my like a balanced roster it made our team better and made everything much better so I knew I had to sacrifice sometimes the minutes because I mean Fox was playing at a high level and you know the first year Fox ended up getting hurt so I played a lot of minutes towards the end of the year so I mean, he was playing at a high level. He playing great basketball for us. He was winning his game. So, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of hard to as a competitor. It's kind of hard to look at it like, man, you want to play a lot. But as a teammate, it's like you want to cheer your teammates on. So, I mean, I think it was good for him. I learned a lot from Fox. I mean, seeing his game evolve, um, being with a better team, being a better leader, um, it just it just helped me out a lot. Now that's that's a, a unique perspective from a, a young player. Most wouldn't have that perspective. It, it would be. I guess they would probably label it a, a frustrating year. Mm-hmm. Where did the frust? I know you had. I know you were frustrated at some certain points during the season. Mm-hmm. Where did it come from? Like where did that stem from? 
where did the front when did the frustration yeah, like, happen? Like where was where was the frustration? Was it with um I don't know, just the lack of not consistent playing time or minutes or what whatever. Like if I mean, I think that uh the the frustration came from putting more frustration on myself is just making or missing shots. Gotcha. Um, kind of just putting more pressure on myself than I didn't have to. I mean, because it's a make or miss lead. You're either going to make the shot or miss it. You got to kind of live with the results regardless of – I mean, you just got to have confidence shooting the ball. So, I think this year, I mean, even next year going into it, I'm just kind of trying to work on just having a uh, – what's the, what's the word? Uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? Well, me, honestly, I'm just trying to just forget the, the shot I take. No matter mm-hmm. if I miss or make it, just kind of just forget it. Don't, don't have like no – don't be mad about it. if you miss left or if you airball. Don't don't just take one shot at a time. Stein, let me say this real quick. I'll let Stein ask the next question. I was talking with Jonathan Kamiga uh, a couple weeks ago down in Miami during the NBA Finals, and he was just telling me about like how most top rookies, lottery picks, primarily they get drafted to losing teams, mm-hmm. and they're able to play and make mistakes. And Jonathan Kamiga obviously no plays for the Warriors, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how hard it is to Go in there, make a mistake, get a turnover, and then get pulled really quick. <laughs> and they don't have a chance to grow that confidence like like their other rookie peers. And that's something that you I, I think that's something similar to you. Like you you're you're a defensive specialist, but you know you probably gotta hit shots to stay in the game, mm-hmm. to get extended minutes. Mm-hmm. And so if you're missing that shot, and it's like, damn, like, is that is that something for sure that you could that's, that's like the biggest thing. When our team got better, I knew that, and I started to see the minutes cut, I kind of knew that, okay, we're becoming a, a really good team. I mean, because, like, even my first year, it was kind of different where I can make a mistake because we wasn't really as good the first year. So I can make a mistake and I still be in the game where I can miss a couple shots or things like that. And, I mean, but also I think you learn from that. Um, I mean, a lot of people – would say like guys like a prime example. I think Jalen Green is a, a top guard in our league, mm-hmm. and it's easy to play for the Rockets because they kind of never really plan for anything. They only, but that dude's a really good player. Like mm-hmm. you know, if he played on a good team, I think he would kind of be doing as much as the same thing. But it just wouldn't show as effective. He probably yeah. wouldn't score thirty every night. He'll probably score nineteen twenty, but it'll be it'll be better games. Like he'll win games. So I feel like teams like that it's easier to play for. Like prime example, my rookie year when Fox got out. When we wasn't playing for the playoffs, we knew we wasn't like gonna make the playoffs. I was playing, I was putting up crazy numbers mm-hmm. because it was like I can make a mistake and still be in. I got the confidence to take this shot right here and and I still be in the game. I'm not really worried about somebody coming behind me or taking me out because we're not really playing for nothing. Like we know we're not making the playoffs, so it made it a it made it a lot easier after my rookie year. But I learned a lot. I mean, I learned how to kind of run the team. Still, I try to play the right way every time I play. I don't try to just because I can be on the floor for 30 minutes I'm about to not take crazy shots I'm still gonna play the right way and and I think that it's, it could just be different for different people so you guys had such an amazing season nobody on earth thought the Kings were gonna finish third in the west you're playing the defending champs in the first round you had your chances in that series and then when it suddenly ends how hard is it to watch the rest of the playoffs were you able to, to watch it and dial in, or did you just – I'm sure the ending came as kind of a sudden shock to you guys. Uh, I would say, I mean, after the game, it was hard, but the next day it's like you kind of got to get over it. I mean, you can't really do anything about it. Um, I, for me, it wasn't hard. I went to pl- plenty of playoff games. I traveled to New York to watch them play Miami. Hmm. I went to L.A. to watch them play. Like, it was – because I love the game of basketball. Like, no matter what, like, I'm still going to watch the game. I'm going to be around it. So, of course, after that first night when you think you could have won in game seven or if you could have done things differently or something could have happened, we could have won the game we'd still be playing. But we know, like, the next year we're going to be even better. Um, it's just a, the next year coming. So, I didn't, I wasn't really as mad. I don't think really no one was as mad as after that first night. But, yeah, I, it wasn't really hard for me to uh, – I still watch basketball. To go to a playoff game, you're an NBA player, but to go to a playoff game as a fan, what are you looking for? And what is what, – what do you digest? Because I'm sure that too has got to be a little weird mm-hmm. to be sitting in a in a very small chair trying to watch. Uh, I think when I went to the next game, I kind of was just kind of pay attention to, to Jalen Brunson a lot. Because, I mean, he's a, a really – he kind of upped his game. After after he left Dallas, he, like, he went to another level. I mean, he's a really good friend of mine. So, we, we tagged after uh, after the, 
the series we used to talk all the time and after we played each other we talked so he's just a, a guy that I look at um, as far as like the pace of the offense he's he's running a team um, that type of stuff just learn those things uh, but I kind of I'm also looking at it as a fan too like man like how you missed that shot like and I, I I get it how fans how how fans look at the game like man how you missed that shot when I realize it when I'm sitting there as a as a fan but also as a basketball player I'm just looking at the different the different things a point guard can do to run a team or to be successful to to win a game. I don't know if Chris told you but I'm actually based in Dallas so you just brought up one of my favorite subjects in Jalen Brunson oh, wow. since you know his game so well can you explain to he gets better every year he's I mean he's done it now five years in a row. He's exceeded all expectations. As someone who knows him well, how does he pull that off? How, how does he find another gear to go to year after year after year? Stop. I didn't know you and Jalen Brunson good friends. Yeah, we talk every oh, time. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, yeah, good, good nugget, Stein. I think that uh, I think Jalen Brunson always had. He was always a really good player to me. Um, I mean, even in Dallas, it just he wasn't you. It's kind of hard when you don't get the opportunity. I mean, he had an opportunity, but you also got a guy like who Luca has the ball in his hands a lot. And Jalen Brunson always been a guy with the ball in his hands a lot, making plays for others, making plays for himself, um, posting up, just get, getting in the paint. Like even at Villanova, the four years there, he was a he was a lead guard. He had the ball in his hands a lot. So I think the more comfortable he got, the more you see the the real Jalen Brunson when he was at Villanova, because he's always was good. I don't think he did anything better. I think he's just got more comfortable. He just in a situation where now he got the ball, he's running a team like he used to be. So now he's getting more and more comfortable. I think the more more comfortable you get, he's going to keep getting even better. I mean, because he he's going to play. He's going to start manipulating the game. He's going to start picking people apart as far as the the knowledge he have of the game. I mean, because all the reps he gets and, and things like that. I mean, and I think the, the best thing about Jalen Brunson, I think he's the hardest player to guard to me because he uses his body a lot and he changes speeds a lot. So it's kind of hard to just kind of hard to just guard him just straight up because he changes speed so much and you got to kind of always stay in front of him because he got a good mid-range game. He got a good post game. He got he got it all. So I think that he, he's one of the toughest guards in the league for me. Okay. All right. Yeah. You said that. Yeah. But you're also on record as saying the toughest guard you had to defend in the league is, is Stephen Curry. Do you, that still hold true? I mean, it's a couple of. I mean, we we play in a really good league, so it's yeah, he's up there. Name 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 him. Give give me the couple. So I would go. Uh, it was Shay Shay from OKC. Alexander, he's definitely the mm. toughest. Um, he's the toughest. Yeah, he's the toughest. Yeah, he's he's definitely the toughest. Break break down his game. Definitely I, the toughest. Go ahead. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, he got the ball in his hands a lot. Um, I mean, he can handle the ball. You know, I'm an on-ball defender, so you got the, the ball in his hands a lot. Um, he has a really good mid-range game. He has a really good change of pace, and he's maybe 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. So my, I can't really do as much when he gets to his spots. I just hope he miss. I mean, because he got so many inches over me. So I kind of got to stay connected to him the whole time. But he changes speed so well, it's kind of hard to do that. And he uses the body a lot, and he gets to the free throw line. So it makes it tough. And he's starting to hit threes, so he's kind of trying to put everything together. So now it's going to be even tougher. Um, and I think next is, uh, I would say for me, I would say next is, I would say Jalen Brunson because I'm an on-ball defender, like y'all said. So it's like on ball, he's he's definitely one of the top guards. Like I say, he changed speeds as well and things like that. But I think where I'm really not as good is off ball. And I think that Stephen Curry comes into play. And the way they team plays, it's like he always playing off the ball. Of course, he's got the ball in his hand sometimes, but they use a lot of throwing it ball. I mean, throwing it, him come, coming to get it. Um, they're always looking for him. And they and I think they they don't really set the greatest screens and they don't get called for it. But we're not going to say that. <laughs> but, I mean, he gets open a lot. And then, I mean, he knocks it down. You can't really leave no space for him. Um, and if you do, it's, it's going in. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're saying there. So, SGA, Brunson, Steph, yeah. top top three right there. Uh, we're going we're gonna to open it up to, for fans to ask ask a question. I got a few neighbors over there as big Kings fans as well. So, know they want to ask a question. But let me let's let's stay on similar to Steph. The Warriors. You guys win the first two games of that series. Now that you're removed from it, what happened? So if, if somebody asks you like, how did you lose that series? What do you say what do you say happened after game two that resulted in you guys not being able to advance? Uh I would say nothing really I mean something happened obviously. I think I mean, Steve Kerr is a really good coach, and he made adjustments. Um, he made it where 
he kind of messed up our rotations a little bit. I think we kind of like even even like during game three, he kind of like he messed up rotations a little bit, kind of didn't really want me on stuff a little bit. And you can see it. Um, and it kind of took kind of took me out of the game, kind of took my rhythm out the game because I go in a certain time and they kind of wanted me to mess up with stuff a little bit. So when Steve Kerr took him out and and then put him right back in when it's not my time to get in. So mm. he's like a really good coach, man. He kind of played a lot of mind games and, and it kind of messed my rhythm up. And I think game three, I didn't really have a good game because my rhythm was a little bit off because um, I wasn't in the same amount of minutes. I wasn't in around the same burst I always yeah. play. So they just made adjustments. I mean, also, that's just a really good team. And he'd been through it like he'd been through. He, he won a championship the year before. So he had to make adjustments on the fly and and game and series and this series from one it was just like he's used to it so i think yeah that is a good point i didn't think about that Did, so they changed the lineup what was it game three or game four uh maybe maybe game three because we was going to their place and it they was game three yeah they needed to win yeah and so you would like as a competitor you would like for on your end you would like to your playing time to mirror a little Steph. Bit. yeah i mean i knew but, it was going to be able to but. yeah but it kept you I get that, yeah. and so I see. That's that's I I didn't, I didn't think about that. That's a good yeah. point. I think people don't realize that this game is like a rhythm. Like you got to have rhythm to play this game to really be really good at it. You got to have a rhythm. And when fans, the way fans look at it is like, yeah, you got to make this shot. You got to make this shot. Like, but just like if there's no rhythm, it's kind of hard to to play like that mm-hmm. for anyone. Uh, I would think that someone that comes off the bench and sometimes like and we're in game three when we only get to play like a minute and a half because of Steph Curry's out and then he comes back in and it's like, oh, I don't have no rhythm. Now I'm back on the bench where I started because I don't start. So I'm on the bench again. Now I got warm. Now I got to come back on the bench. And it's like, people don't realize it, man. It's a lot of, it's a lot of inside to it. <laughs> so the next question that pertains to that series, was it really necessary for E4 to get kicked out the game? Honestly, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I wasn't. I, I don't think no one on our team was really like paying attention to after the game when they said yeah. something. But like, uh, I didn't really. That was unnecessary. Yeah, that was a, that's, that's a legend, man. He rep, he, he rep the he rep Sacramento too. Man. Yeah, that's unnecessary. What would you say is if you could only pick one thing next season? What do you want to do better than you did this season? Are you talking about as far as the team wise? Are you 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 individually? Oh, I think just shooting the ball better, um, getting more comfortable shooting the ball. I think that's just the 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 main thing. Um, I think if if I can shoot the ball with confidence and 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 hit most of them, then I mean I'll be on the floor more and everything will just work out. And then I guess I'm probably going to ask the question that everybody in Charlene's Beauty Supply wants to know: what 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 are the Kings going to do for an encore? How do you guys prove? that it wasn't a one-hit wonder situation? I mean, I think that if everyone gets better individually, um, they're going to make their team better. Uh, that's that's always kind of been my thought process. If if everyone's getting better individually then and they bring it to the team, and as far as the role aspect, then we're going to be a better team. But I don't think the, the one-hit wonder would be a thing because, I mean, everyone on our team works hard. Um, I think De- De'Aaron's working extremely hard this offseason so he can – kind of have the, the same season or even a better season. And he's our leader on our team. So that's going to make us a lot better as a team. Domas is working hard as ever. So he's going to get better and he's going to make our team better. Me, Malik, all the guys that play, man, like all the guys that's on the team that that's going to contribute and everyone on the team is getting better. So I think that if we all come together and with our individual summers, then I think that we're going to be better as a team. So let's – we're going to – Everybody, get your your questions ready. If you want a question, you want to ask, uh, Davion, raise your hand. I'll I'll get to you. Okay, I'll, you'll, you'll be first after this one, um, Davion. So, you've been in the league for a few years now. You've seen that this is a business. You see trades. You see how guys are traded and how they oftentimes find out on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see Chris Paul going over there to the Golden State Warriors and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, have you been in the league long enough to wonder if your name will be next. Like if you'll see your name on the ticker for being traded or being moved, like has there been a scare yet from you yet? Nah, my my rookie year, a uh, guy I used to work out with, Rico Hines. He Rico was, Hines. Yeah, that's my guy. Shout out to Rico. Yeah, Philly. 
And he would say, he would always say, man, like if Shaquille can Shaquille O'Neal can get traded, you can get traded. So that's always been like my thought process. Like, of, I mean, any day I can get traded. If one of the best players, that, one of the best big men that ever played the game could get traded, sure, I can get traded. Yeah. I mean, just like anyone else. So I always had that thought process. Okay. Good, good perspective. <laughs> If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm happy you come on, take the mic, and ask a question. Say your name and everything, man. Welcome, my name is Ramsey. Uh, one of the questions I have for you is actually outside of basketball. Are you a fan of any other sports outside of basketball, and do you have any other favorite teams? Uh, I mean, I've been to a couple of baseball games. I'm not really a big ball f- uh, football fan. Like, I don't really watch football. But I would say, like, I, I don't have any favorite teams to say, but, I mean, I've been to a couple games. Okay, yeah, because, I mean, I saw you a couple times. I know you're from Georgia. I saw you, like, wearing the Brave shirt and everything. Yeah. I don't know if you were a Falcons fan or not, I'm a Falcons nah, fan myself. I don't, really, I don't really watch football like that. Understandable. Yeah. I thought I had to ask. <laughs> Most people would think your first sport was football. Yeah, I get, a, get that a lot. I get that you a never lot. played football at all? I played in middle school. Then I stopped after middle school. I was like, ah, it's not me. What's, what, what's, what about football is not you? <laughs> to be honest, to be a little bit cocky, I think it was a little too easy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I think that football, man, I just I really don't like being outside as much. And you've got to be outside no matter if it's hot or cold. And I'd rather just be in the building playing a sport. So <laughs> when you look at free agency, think ways to get better. Um, you hear all type of names that's being floated on what the Kings are gonna do. Obviously they're gonna um get Sabonis um done with an extension. You're hearing Kyle Kuzma name float, floating around. Do you listen to rumors? Do you listen to things? Are, are you at the point where you probably are even recruiting guys? Does it Has it gotten there yet? Or you just lay back and, and see what happens? Yeah, I mean, I think right now at my point, at this, uh, the point of my career, I think I just try to look at it as like I'm going to get better regardless. Uh, I try not to look at the aspect. I feel like 
whoever's getting on the team, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be good for us. We got really good coaching staff. We got a really good like uh, system around us. Someone's not gonna come onto our team and just be like a, a completely different person. They're gonna gel in with the team. So I think we're we're gonna be fine there. Questions? Come on, come on up. You got a question? Yeah, get, get on the mic. I got, I got uh oh, this 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 my neighbor right here. This my neighbor right here. Give give, give your name and everything. Oh, my name. Uh, uh, my name is Victor Jimenez. Uh, question: You got hammered in the head a lot, and I know the NBA doesn't get about helmets. So, is this the reason why you're growing out your hair? Number one? <laughs> nah, definitely, definitely not the reason. I, I kind of just during the summertime, I try to. If I ain't going nowhere, I just usually don't get it done. I just let it right. breathe for real. No, you did. You get hit a lot. I mean, I, yeah. not not as much as the bonus, but you yeah, did get hit sure. a lot. For sure. And, and you, you're tough, right? Yeah. So, my big question for you is like, somebody's had put that in you, right? Mm-hmm. How to play that defense? Mm-hmm. Who's that person? That's a great question. Um, I have three uncles that mm-hmm. uh that kind of put the ball in my hands. Um, that that played the game, didn't make it to the NBA, but they played in college and things like that, and they were all competitive. And I think that's. That's where all oh, you mean is right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I got three uncles and they play college ball and I'm close with them. And I think they all they all been competitive. And I think that's where I got it from, seeing them play against people at the gym, playing hard, things like that. I think that's where I just kind of got it from, really. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a fan. I appreciate you. Yeah, no right. problem. Thank you. <laughs> Give a shout out to Sean Cunningham out here, ABC 10, out here covering this event. Uh, real quick, shout out to the same person, Steph. I see my man in the shop getting a wig done all the time, man. So we know where to go. Uh, my question is: Actually, I got lucky. I was on the Amp app with uh, Roz and Coach Brown asking the same question. Uh, triple threat basketball is real pass shoot, but just in general, man, because I've been watching since Baylor. I love. I'm a Kings fan, ride or die. What are your three things that you can hang your hat on, though? You personally, though, how people want to like know you by how you move, how you maneuver. Because I lay back, quiet dog, oh. animal. But give me three things. Give me your triple threat right now that everybody who's in Sacramento really know who Davion is. I think, I think the main two is I'm, I'm more laid back for sure. Anybody would tell you I'm like probably the most laid back person you'll ever meet. And other than Keegan, Keegan's definitely laid back. But <laughs> uh, laid back and I think hardworking. And it's uh, another one more word I would say. Um, I would just say like my biggest thing is I would like to inspire people, especially from where I'm from. I'm from a, a smaller city or only a couple of people really made it out. I mean, only two people made it to the NBA in my city. A couple of people went overseas, so it's it's tough. So just to just to inspire the people, especially I mean, little kids of course across the world, but just to mainly people from from smaller cities, just to let them know, man, like no matter how small the city is, no matter how big the city is, if you work hard, then you can you can make anything possible. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, no problem. Uh oh, Lance Woods. Uh oh, come come on come on up here. Come get get the mic. You know how it is. As you said, you want to inspire people, and that stuck out with me. Earlier, you was talking about how you never worked out for the Kings, but they drafted you, and that inspired me because I haven't worked out for any teams. <laughs> so I still got a shot, people. <laughs> this is a question, though. Um, what's, what is what is or is there inspiration behind you wearing number 15? Yeah, after we won the, the national championship at Baylor, and my city, where I'm from, they kind of honored me and giving me a day, um, Davion Mitchell Day. It's on April 15th. So I kind of just kind of picked that up uh, there. And 15 was my, my high school number my first year, my freshman year in high school. So I just kind of just wanted to go with it. I kind of had to get away from 45. That's dope. Yeah. That was actually my number. 15 is my number. <laughs> why, why, why was 15 my number, Aaron? Who was my favorite player? Spreewell. Spreewell. Yeah, okay. You got jokes, huh? You got jokes. Come, come on up here, man, before you get hurt. How you doing, man? I'm Aaron. Nice to meet you, bro. Uh, so my question to you are: uh, is, I know you say you want to work on your jump shot. I'm a big basketball fan. I play ball. I'm a Lakers fan, but I just like basketball in general. So uh, I know you say you want to work on your jump shot. Uh, you guys had a lot of success. I've been in Sacramento for a while. Uh, what is two things you want to achieve as a player individually? Not I know team success. No, just you as an uh, individual. I would say individually. I mean, I I never been like a big accolades guy. I mean, of course, it, if it if it happens, it happens with, through the work that I put in. But I would say accomplishing just uh, just being the best player I can be. Um, 
that's definitely one of the things. And don't don't really take anything for granted. Um, don't cheat the process, uh, no matter how hard times can be. Um, just kind of just kind of my motto. What I live for is trust your work. That's that's my brand. That's who I am. So kind of just having that. Just if I if I leave my career knowing that I worked as worked as hard every single day, never cheated the process, then I can live with that. Come on, come on, brother. Let, let the elder through. Let the elder through. Come on. Mike Bradley, um, Hold on. Old, old school basketball fan from Sacramento. I've been here for a while. So what, what do you do right now, Mike? Nothing. What, Retired. Mike, what, what do you do? Huh? I give him buckets every day. Uh, I give, no, I give Chris that. buckets every day. He's an assistant but, coach. At, uh, uh, I'm at Sheldon High School okay. here in Sacramento, so we're one of the top teams, in, you know, the area. So okay. anyway, um, is there a team that you look at when you go around the league and say, "Damn, if I was on that team, we'd be we'd be uh -oh. giving giving buckets." I know you don't want, uh -oh. you don't have to give out a team, but is there like teams that you like, <laughs> man? If, you know, if I was with that group of guys, you know, we'd be giving some buckets to the league and. Uh, and the second thing is, uh, what advice do you give to these young players coming up, you know, through the AAU, the, the tennis shoe circuits? You know, what do they, what, what, what should they be looking out for and not doing, or should they be doing to be uh, further seen? That first question is hard to, it's hard to uh, answer that, but I would just say that, I mean, any team where I know I can play. 48 minutes. That's all I can say. <laughs> that's all I can say. Anything I can play 48 minutes, I think that I'll, I'll, I'll get a couple buckets in. As far as like the the, the kids in the AAU circuit, I mean, it was it was hard for me because well, it wasn't really hard because uh, I, I started off playing with my local team, um, the South Georgia Kings. It was in, in Hinesville, Georgia. A lot of people don't really know, but it was just a small local team. And I, were, I really wasn't getting seen like that. It was kind of I was playing good games, having really good tournaments, big tournaments, but I wasn't really getting seen because we wasn't in the bigger tournaments. So I just found a team, uh, the Georgia Stars. Uh, they kind of believed in me. Uh, Atlanta team, they kind of just believed in me. And they came even – bro, they drove all the way from Atlanta just to pick me up, just to play games, just because they wanted me to play with them. And and that's when I really started getting seen. Um, after those tournaments, a couple tournaments, I started getting my name out there. So I would say the biggest thing is don't, don't really worry about – what circuit it is, no matter if it's Under Armour, Nike, Adidas, they're always going to be a scouts or there's always going to be scouts at these tournaments because they're going to see other players. Like I feel like when I was when I was younger and with South Georgia Kings and we played like an Under Armour team, a big team, and there were scouts to see the Under Armour people, not for us, but I would have a good game and it's like, oh, who is this guy? You know what I'm saying? So it was just like I never really looked at it like, man, I got to play on the best Nike circuit or I got to play on the best Under Armour circuit just to get seen. I just kind of was looking like, I gotta be on a team where I know I'm gonna play. I know I get to show my talent. I know someone that can believe me. Then after that, it's kind of like it's up in the air. You know, whoever whoever see me, whoever they don't. I mean, I know if I work hard, people are gonna see. Give me the give me accurate because heights can be deflated when you when they putting the heights on. Like so, let me see. They said Iverson was what six feet, six one six. With he's not he's not six one six. Uh, Dame they got Dame listed six three. He's not six three. <laughs> so what is your what are, what do they what do they list you as first? So the NBA is tricky. They they list people the way they do the heights is they do it with your shoes off. And, okay. And I think it's tricky because you don't ever play with your shoes off. So it's like, why are you measuring yeah. my shoes off? <laughs> so with my shoes off, I'm six feet. With my shoes on, I'm six one. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So so what do you tell people mostly? Six two. Six two. Okay. Sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get back. There you go. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing Daniel Golden, um, long-time Sacramento fan, Kings fan. Um, got a question for you. Mm -hmm. So when I watch you play, you seem very, very quick set. Very, very, of course, quick, quick. Same with uh, Fox. Mm -hmm. In practice, how does it go between you and him? How does, how do you, I mean, I'd be sure that would be like the greatest watch of all. Just see both of you go at each other because you, mm -hmm. you're both so quick. I honestly am not sure that he's quicker than you. If anything, you guys are about the same. That's my personal feeling. So I just want to know how you how those practices go, because I know you got to be battling. Yeah, of course, of course. I think the yeah, it's it's definitely a, a tough battle. I mean, especially because the competitive end. I'm defensively. I'm. I think I'm okay. And Fox offensively is one of the top guys in our league. So it's always a battle. I mean, he will even tell you. And I would say, as far as the quickness, I mean, I would say people would say I'm quicker because I'm a lot. It looks like I'm shorter. Um, but Fox is his he have longer arms, longer legs, so he's more skinnier. So he's he's like faster. I would say he's faster here 
I would say I can probably get to a spot quicker than him, but he's definitely faster. But it's definitely fun battles, man. He, he's made me a lot better defender because um, no one is as fast as him in the league. So when I'm guarding other people, I can use that to my advantage. Like, man, I, I guard De'Aaron Fox every day. There's no way you're going to get by me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can use my body. I can use my speed. So it makes it easier. So going against him has just been a, a, a blessing for me because it's making me better. <laughs> All right. Uh, getting more questions? This another one of my neighbors right here. Robert Rhymes, uh, born and raised in Texas, represented all Texas teams. But I have a question for you. Most college players go from one good conference to another. You left Auburn, which is SEC, and you went to Baylor, which is Big 12, which is kind of not the same. What made you make that decision to jump from the SEC to Big 12? Yeah, I got a story for that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so – when I went to Auburn, um, we had really good guards, um, Jared Harper and Bryce Brown, all SEC. When I left, I ended up taking their team to the Final Four. And I knew I was going to really have the opportunity until like my junior year. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I should wait that long because I feel like I wasn't really getting better as far as that. I was learning, but I wasn't really getting the reps. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's the, that's the best way to learn when you get the reps. And I knew I wouldn't get that many. So I transferred in, I mean, I averaged maybe like – two points in Auburn. So it wasn't a lot of schools that after I transferred that kind of contacted me. It was like, it was either Georgia State in Atlanta when I took a visit or it was St. John's in New York. And then Baylor ended up coming last because of a close friend I knew in, in high school I used to work out with. He knew one of the coaches from Baylor, Coach Brooks, and they kind of connected and saying like, yeah, I think we, we got a good guard for you and Davion. And and they just fell in love with the film and, and they kind of just went from there because I didn't have that many options because I was either I went to Georgia State before I went to Baylor and I was supposed to take a visit to St. John's and I knew it was going to be tough because I don't really like being in New York anyways because it's just so many people. So it's just after I took that Baylor visit before I went to St. John's, I committed the same the same visit because I'm like, it's no need for me to go to New York. I know where I want to be. So that's why I went to Big 12. It wasn't really I didn't even look at the conferences as a thing. Like it was just Baylor was a really good school for me. Uh, they had a grad transfer. I knew I was going to play the next year. Um, I know they wanted the ball in my hands. They, they, their culture is just completely different. The, and then the after the before actually before me, they had all their guards went to all Big Twelve. So I was like, it's it's perfect for me. So it was a perfect situation. And do you believe? And do you believe that that change actually helped you get into the NBA? Hundred percent. That was uh, I would think that I mean Auburn definitely. Auburn definitely helped me transfer because if I wouldn't wouldn't have went to Auburn, then I wouldn't have went to Baylor, and I wouldn't have won a national championship. I probably wouldn't have been a ninth pick. So everything just happened for a reason. Like uh, me going to Auburn just showed me that okay, is this a new spot I can go to? And I think that Baylor did a phenomenal job with me as far as I mean, teaching me how to play the game the right way, teaching me just to be a better person, just to just other other things that Baylor taught me that a lot of people are not going to get from these these huge schools like I think Kentucky's and the things like that for the names. I think Baylor was just a really good school all in all. Thank you. Hey, I, think I'm, yes, sir. I think I'm back in now. Okay. So, D, there is a majority of people aren't going to reach 6'5", 6'6", 6'7". So most people are going to be six foot and under. Mm -hmm. what, would you, what would you say, what's your lesson to the smaller guys? that want to make the league? And what do you think helped you ultimately as a smaller guy, helped you to be able to dominate at the levels you, you have to get to ultimately this level? So I think a lot of people look at it as, as uh, like even as little guards or even as taller people, like to get to the league, they always look at like, I gotta be able to shoot, I gotta be able to pass, I gotta be able to play defense. They try to, they try to add all these things in their game and try to be great at it, but people don't realize if you're really great at one thing, and for me it's defensively, you can get in the lead if you have a little bit of offense or if you show that you can win. Like, you don't have to be great at everything. And I think that's where a lot of people work at when they try to work out and try to go to a school. Like, man, I got to be really good at this, 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 and that. And it's hard to do that when you don't have that much time. You know what I'm saying? So you have to just be – I think for someone smaller, like under six feet and under, or even six foot, six two – I think if you're great at one thing, that the, the league is gonna love you. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're great at one thing, a lot of people, a lot of people that's good at basketball are just okay at everything. You know what I'm saying? But if you're great at one thing, 
the league can use you. You know what I'm saying? If someone they can use someone that can just play defense. Maybe you ain't gonna play as many minutes, but you'll get better. You'll get you'll become a better shooter to get more minutes. You become a better decision maker. You become a just a better teammate all in all. So I was just say look at that. You don't never I did this in college. I'm six two with shoes on. But I would look at guys who are six six. And I'd be like, man, if I had five more inches, like they ain't yeah. better than me. It's all, they just, they just got, it's always they just like got that. the inches. It's like, always like that. <laughs> like, you always look at like you that. look at some of these guys. You'd be like, mm-hmm. man, your skill set, like my skill set, is way better than yours. But you just got six inches on me, man. But that's a problem. Like, like, like this dude over here. Hey, yo. Like this dude over here. You t- am I preaching to the choir or that? No, pause. <laughs> my bad. My bad. My bad. Nah, I would say that uh, it's tough. Like, I always think of it like that, too. But it's like maybe if I was 6'8 with the same, same skill set, I wouldn't be as fast. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay. like it's just different things you can look at it. Like if someone was 6'6, and saying, man, man, if I was shorter, maybe I can move it faster, then maybe you wouldn't have the the length that I wanted. You know what I'm saying? It's just different right. things to look at. Like Isaiah Thomas, like one of the greats, uh, a close friend of mine too. Like he had all the skill in the world. Maybe if he was six, seven, of course, he may be the best player, but he wouldn't be as skilled. He wouldn't be as fast because he used that to his advantage to other people because he's lower than everyone. Because yeah. I just look at it a different way. Like, I But do. I feel what you're saying, though. Like. Maybe if I was seven foot and I had the same skill set, I'd be a Kevin Durant. But yeah. it's like, no, I, I wouldn't. You know what I'm saying? I, I just see, I just see a lot of six, seven people like the guy over here. Yeah. That just, <laughs> just waste, waste of height. Just yeah. waste of height. Just <laughs> 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 a waste of height. All right, we about to, we about to uh, cut, try to cut D loose in a minute. Is there any? I'll make sure I don't miss anybody. I'll make sure I give everybody opportunity. My God, come on, man! You got the Kings jersey on everything. Yes, sir. Man. I like that. Oh, that's the Davion yeah, jersey. Oh, on. okay. Come on, okay. Great to meet you, Davion. Yes, sir. Uh, just curious. Hold on. Like, what's your name? Say your name, whatever. Josh. Nice to meet you. Okay. Um, big Kings fan. Uh, curious with the draft that just happened with mm-hmm. the Kings. Did you pay attention at all and seeing who got drafted and what you think about them? Uh, to be honest, to be honest with you. Uh, do you want me to answer on that? No, you could. Oh, you could, you could. oh I'm tripping. Oh, <laughs> to be honest with you, I I didn't know anything about, like, usually when I'm in the NBA, I don't really watch much college basketball unless it's Baylor. Like, I only watch Baylor, so I don't really know anything about the guys. I mean, but I'm sure they're going to be really good because if the Kings picked them, there's a reason why they picked them. There's a reason why they're in the league. So, I mean, much respect to them. But I don't really know much about them. I can't tell you anything about them, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Marcus. Come on, Marcus. That's dope. Marcus Smith, the Sacramento. Appreciate it. So, a couple questions. You mentioned you're a gym rat, you're a hard worker. I want to know what's your daily schedule this offseason? You know, what's an everyday kind of life for you? Mm -hmm. I mean, I could just tell you about today. I feel like today was uh, pretty long. Uh, So, I usually wake up. I'm not really a big sleeper. I don't really sleep as much. Uh, I kind of go to sleep around like 10 o'clock and I wake up usually like 6. It's probably because I don't have black curtains, though. It's like every time the sun comes up, I go up. So I wake up at 6, uh, went today to the gym at 7 o'clock, lifted at 7.30. Um, then I'm on the court right after that. And then we end up playing together, like three on three and stuff like that with a couple players is there. And then after that, at around 8 o'clock, I'm going back to the gym and I'm finished for the night. Yeah, yes. 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 So my, my second question, you know, you mentioned that you kind of pattern your defensive game after the Drew Holidays and Marcus Smarts. Mm-hmm. Who are your top five defensive guards or defensive players of all time? All time. I honestly would just say, uh, I mean, you got to put Draymond up there, of course. Um, Drew Holiday, Marcus Smart. Um, I'm saying like people that guard the perimeter. I feel like block shots is completely different. It's a cl- completely different uh, I aspect. Uh, I think Mikael Bridges is up there, um, and I would say the last one. I mean, can I put myself? Yeah, Definitely put myself. Yeah. Come on, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Davion, really, man, from the bottom of my heart, man, I appreciate you for coming out, man. Supporting my wife out here at Charlene's Beauty Supply here in Elk Grove. Everybody, get a round of applause. For- Davion and wifey. And that'll do it for us. See you next time. This League Uncut is an iHeartRadio production. Boom Shakalaka! Chris Haynes and Mark Stein! 
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.